With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Podcast on the Brink. We're a little less than three weeks away from the start of the regular season as we record this on Friday, October 22nd. This episode will actually come out uh, early next week, but wanted to uh, touch base with one of my favorite resources uh, for college basketball, Big Ten basketball, Wisconsin basketball, Bart Torvik, author, uh, I don't know if you want to call him author. I don't know that he writes a whole lot, but he does put together, in my uh, opinion, one of the the better formulas for rating teams in college basketball over at BartTorvik.com. Bart, welcome back to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks. Great to be here. So I first want to just kind of ask a pretty loaded question because I was as high on Wisconsin as anybody going into last season. I think I picked them to win the league and, after I saw them, I think the last game I actually saw in person because I didn't go to games last season. Actually, the last game I did see in person was at Assembly Hall, Wisconsin, beating Indiana to get that share of the Big Ten title before everything shut down with COVID. And last season, what what happened in your in your eyes with the Badgers? Do you follow them as closely as anybody? Um, you're not shy about your uh, Wisconsin fandom, so just curious from your uh, perspective, what happened? Uh, last season in Madison. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say for sure. I mean, it seems in hindsight pretty clear they had some chemistry issues. Um, and I think that that was sort of evident from watching them. Um, things just didn't really mesh, which is weird because, like you were saying, they won the big, they got a share of the Big Ten title the year before, seemed pretty, pretty together during that run when they won the last whatever, how many games they won. Um, but obviously winning cures a lot of ills <laughs> and losing, losing makes things harder. And so I kind of think it's, it's a little bit of a combination of, they got a little bit overrated from a somewhat lucky run to end the previous year. And then last year they weren't as bad as, as sometimes they looked, you know, like obviously their Ken Palm and power numbers were, ended up being pretty good or always good throughout the whole season. They just couldn't beat anybody better than them for most of the year. So it was frustrating, you know, like they destroyed Loyola early in the year and they beat pretty much every team they were supposed to beat and then lost every team that, you know, you might've hoped they would, that they would beat who was better than them. Um, and clearly it just kind of wore on them. And so it was just a frustrating season. Clearly they were all frustrated. I think they did have some sort of fundamental flaws. Um, with Reavers and Potter not really being able to play with each other. Um, they tried a few times, but really they just, at least guard couldn't figure out a way to keep them both on the floor at the same time, defensively, especially. And on that note, Reavers just had a 
you know, he had a really disappointing year. If you go back and look at those preseason things from last year, I think he was first team all big Ten preseason, at least in some of the, you know, media things. And clearly he did. He was just kind of a, just a guy last year for the most part. Um, and Potter, you know, Potter's numbers were good. <laughs> and so I feel like I have no inside knowledge about this, but I feel like that was sort of the, the core, you know, thing that was rubbing the wrong way is that who gets those minutes at the five weavers or Potter? Um, how are, how are they interacting? Maybe there were, you know, are there factions on the team? You know, um, I can say this, you know, I was, I played hockey growing up and I was a goalie and I played on teams where there were multiple, where I was one of multiple goalies and only one goalie can play, you know, and if they're, if the, if they're similar skill wise, you know, there's going to be factions on the team and the coach can, you know, rub people the wrong way by choosing the wrong one, according to some people. Um, so I, that, that's kind of my feeling is that th- that was the core problem is those two guys who in some ways were probably their most talented guys. Couldn't really, couldn't really jive. Um, so we can of, that problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. What one of the more interesting things that actually came out this summer in the Big Ten, just in general, wasn't really a basketball story with Wisconsin. It was the this leaked tape that was you know, I don't know exactly how it got out, but it seems like one of the a former assistant coach, maybe that's how it surfaced. But uh long story short short, it was uh basically a tape for for those who didn't hear it with conversation with I believe some of last year's seniors and Greg guard and just kind of back and forth and talking about some things uh, that maybe were uh, handled, not in the best way behind the scenes and people and both sides kind of talking uh, that through. And and that kind of hints at what you, you mentioned maybe with a chemistry issue, I, I guess, how was that news uh, received by Wisconsin fans, and was there any angst with you know the fan base in terms of the future of Greg Gard and like how he's handling this program, or did it blow over pretty quickly and and people got over it? Overall, I think it blew over, um, and uh, you know from the message board stuff, my um, view of how the fans took it is they kind of circled the wagons around guard for the most part um because i listened to it and there's nothing explosive in that tape it's guys complaining that they don't like um the way greg guard is being kind of mean to them at practice (laughs) you know okay um and stuff like that um and i think i don't want to say that those complaints are totally illegitimate um in in the sense that it seems like guard probably has to take that to heart um and whether whether uh, players are changing with their expectations or not, or whether these things always kind of happened, which is what some people think, um, you know, he, he's in a tough spot because he's a longtime assistant for uh, you know a unique person in Bull Ryan with a unique personality, and to some extent, he he in many ways has tried to emulate Bo and been pretty successful with it. But I think there's a there's an issue of he's not Bo Ryan, you know, personality wise at all. And I think you run into this a lot with acolytes trying to follow up on their mentors is, you know, people can kind of sense a phoniness sometimes. Um, And if he's trying to be someone he's not, sometimes it 
it doesn't work, right? And people kind of key in on that. So, you know, and he's guard is still only in his, you know, sixth or seventh year or whatever. So he's got, and he's a young guy still, he's frankly, not that much older than I am, which is kind of weird, but um, so he's got some improving and learning to do probably to handle those kinds of personnel issues, which are a lot of what coaching is. You know, I'm curious just with, you mentioned, you know, you're trying to follow Bo Ryan and when when he first got the job, I I wasn't, sure that he would actually last as long as he did but but really or as he has i mean he's still obviously firmly entrenched there at this point as the coach have you been surprised at all at how successful he's been because a lot of times when somebody does take over uh for a coach that um has you know the pedigree the success of somebody like bo ryan it's you know they go through the next guy and it's three or four years and they're out and then they move on to something different well or regard i mean he's you know he He's not Bo Ryan, as you mentioned, but he has been pretty successful, uh, you know, relative to other Big Ten programs. I don't know where Wisconsin would rank in the league since he took over, but I would think they're at least fifth or sixth at worst in performance under him and, and maybe a little bit better. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think they've got maybe the fourth or fifth most Big Ten wins under guard since he took over. Okay. Um, and you know, obviously won a big 10 title and those things for sort of an older, somewhat older Wisconsin fan like me, that's a big deal. <laughs> you yeah. know, when Bo Ryan got a share of the title in 2002, that was first time in 47 years um, that Wisconsin had won the big 10. So those things are still huge deals, still, you know, very impressive to do at Wisconsin. You know, I think one hope might've been maybe, maybe he'll recruit better, you know, like being on more, top 50 guys or something. Not that mm-hmm. you need that, obviously, but um, that hasn't really happened. It almost happened. They almost got Tyler Hero. Um, but basically, he's stuck with the formula, and the formula still, for the most part, seems to work um, the way, it, it, you know, I think there's something a little bit missing, the some special thing that Bo Ryan had, but he's stuck to his guns. He's not, I think it's a credit to guard that he's not, like, flailing around trying to, to make his own uh, signature just for the sake of doing it. You know, he's, I think he's very analytical. He has learned what he thinks works and he's going to keep doing it until it stops working, you know? Um, and so the next couple of years will be an interesting test for that because it's a little bit of a rebuilding year this year. Obviously they've got a fairly new team. They don't have any, you know, five-star guy coming in where you say, though, this is, they're going to pick right up. But, you know, I think people, I think Wisconsin fans are hoping this year they're kind of on the bubble, make hopefully maybe make the tournament. But if they don't, I don't think anybody's going to be calling for his head. But then next year, assuming everybody comes back, then you would say if this is the same sort of program, then next year they should be a contender or, you know, up in the top top half of the, uh, the Big Ten at least. Yeah, your preseason ranking on them is, I think, pretty similar to Ken Palm. You got them 54. And, and I, you know, reached out to you a couple – it was probably a month ago now, a little maybe over, over a month when Dylan uh, Burkhart and I of UM Hoops were going through our annual uh, preseason list of the top 25 Big Ten players, you know, going into the season. And, and one of the guys that I asked you about that I'm most intrigued by, obviously, uh, Jonathan Davis, who was, I, I thought, pretty good last season as a freshman, but this year is going to be a lot more on him just based on everything. Uh, that Wisconsin left, you know, beyond, 
you know, in, in your eyes, is Davis the most important player for Wisconsin this season? And, and beyond him and Brad Davison, who are some of the other guys that are really going to have to step into to key roles if Wisconsin is going to kind of reach its potential and, and potentially get back to the tournament? Yeah, I think Davis is definitely the key. He's a guy who was, he is a fair, I mean, I think he was a top 150 recruit, but seems like he was a little bit underrated on that sense. And he's, um, he's a, definitely an intriguing player for Wisconsin and that he's a little bit more of a, you know, slasher, um, athletic offensive player who still takes pride in his defense. Um, so he's got a lot of potential and you would hope that he's ready to take a leap and you know, kind of a classic sophomore leap for a guy that got a fair amount of playing time as a freshman, which is not necessarily normal at Wisconsin. Um, so if he's not, if he doesn't take a leave, then it's hard to see Wisconsin really being good this year. Um, and the sort of exciting thing was over the summer, he tried out for the U19 team that played in uh, like the World U19 championships or whatever that the US won. He was a reserve on that team, but the fact that he made it was a pretty big surprise. That was not something people were expecting because it kind of, it's an indication that he's probably one of the top 30 U.S. players, at least top 50 U.S. players in his age bracket, right? Um, and that, and he brings something that the coaching staff on that team saw in the tryouts. Um, and and what I see in watching him play, besides just the athletic gifts, is he's got a mean streak. Um, he plays with an edge um, that I really like, and that's really noticeable. Um, and the way he was able to fit on fit in on that team with uh, all those seniors last year was impressive. And I think he was sort of biding his time. And I think it's his team now pretty much. Obviously Davison is, is, is also going to be another leader, but a, kind of a different kind of leader, more vocal. Whereas Davis, I think is more of a lead by example and uh, that kind of leader. So you're right. He's, he's the key, um, but th- it's not necessarily going to be enough. Um, even if he is, does take a leap and is pretty good. Um, because they lost a lot. They lost all those seniors except for Davison. And the glaring hole is at point guard. Um, you know, they lost Trice, who was there for, you know, five years. And um, there's nobody. And they lost Trevor Anderson, who was his backup. Not a huge deal, obviously, but it'd be nice to have somebody with some um, college experience. So they've got a freshman coming in named Chucky Hepburn out of Nebraska. I think he was Nebraska State Player of the Year. Um, and the reports I've seen are that he's, if he's healthy, he's going to start in all likelihood at point guard. And so that's a huge unknown, right? Um, to have a, a freshman point guard starting in the big 10 for Wisconsin. Um, I think you got to go back to Devin Harris. Probably. I mean, they've done it a couple of times. Davison kind of had to do it during that injury ravished year um, a few years ago, but so he's a huge key. Um, if, if he's ready to play, then I think Wisconsin can be a legit bubble team. If he goes, if he's more, if he's your more typical top 150 recruit struggles as a freshman, then it could, it could be tough. Um, you know, like I know Indiana saw this with Christian um, um, Lander. His last name right now, Lander. Um, yeah. I was going to say Leitner, but uh, <laughs> um, Lander last year, who was, and he was an early enrollee, right? So he was really young too, kind of a super freshman but he wasn't really ready to play, even though he's got tons of talent, right? Uh, right. Or at least play at a big 10 level. So that's a huge question mark hanging out. But they do have another point guard, um, a freshman point guard named Lauren Bowman out of Michigan, 
who um, was kind of their biggest recruit last year, but ended up kicking the year off for uh, undisclosed family reasons. Um, and he didn't really play basketball for a year. So we'll see if he's ready to get up to speed or not. But so it's, it's another roll of the dice if he's turns out to be good. And I think people are excited in the long run about him. But for this year, it's it's hopefully Chucky. Um, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. One last thing on Wisconsin, then I obviously want to ask you about some Indiana stuff and, and just the Big Ten at large because I think there's some some interesting things just based on how you have these teams ranked in the preseason. But Wisconsin, in terms of how they fit in in the Big Ten this season, you know, I've seen them picked. You know, I, I participated in the preseason, I guess, unofficial, official, unofficial Big Ten media poll. I think I had them ninth, maybe. Um, just ahead, just behind Indiana, um, and they, they've been picked. I think most places somewhere in that range, nine, ten. I mean, is that in your mind pretty fair given all the unknowns going into the season and, and some of the teams around them? Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, obviously, as a Wisconsin fan, bristle a little bit because there's been a lot of times over the years that Wisconsin has been picked to to fall back, and most of the time they haven't. But right. You know, there's there's a good reason to believe that's the case this year, or at least to have the uncertainty, like you say. Um, there's a lot of – I think the top half of the league, the top seven teams is pretty clear. Um, teams with known quantities coming back, most of those teams have like a potential All-American center, you know. Um, when you're talking about top 25 players or whatever, I don't think I've seen any list of top – 20 players in the big 10 that has a single Wisconsin player on it. Um, and or, or, you know, top 100 players nationally, mm-hmm. you, you won't see any Wisconsin players. So it's going to have to be a um, holes greater than the sum of its parts kind of year for them to, to move up the table. But, you know, I think that they, you, you'd be reluctant to say they're going to finish at the, at the bottom of the league based on their history of uh, that's the kind of program they have. Right. So it seems like they have a relatively high floor, um, but it's reasonable to think that it's ceiling is not real high either. Right. With, with, and I may have asked you this back in 2017 when Archie Miller took over for Tom Crean. um, But when you're going, when you're making a projection, your formula, um, can you walk me through how it accounts for, a coaching change and a guy like Mike Woodson, who obviously has spent his whole career coaching in the NBA, there's not a, you know, 
a body of work that you can go to and say, this is how his team is going to play. This is what the offense is going to look like. This is what the defense is going to look like. This is something I, you know, talked about to John Gassaway a couple of weeks ago on the show. And, and he basically said, it's, you know, it's a clean slate in terms of how you look at Indiana, because we don't know until we get those early November and December games. But I'm just curious when you're thinking about this and how to account for that and how your formula works, how, how, how does it view a coaching change going from Archie Miller to Mike Woodson? So, you know, like most of my preseason stuff, it's pretty blunt, um, speculative for coaching changes in particular. Um, there's kind of a general assumption that it's going to, you know, take that program a little bit to the mean. Um, so for, for Indiana or most Big Ten teams, that would be a slight depression of the projection um, as a baseline. Um, because usually you don't lose a coach for good reasons. Um, um, even if it's the, that the coach is really good, losing him is usually not good. Um, so that's the baseline. It's not a huge factor um, just because, you know, there's so much variability that I can't really detect a whole lot of signal in coaching changes. And there's, they happen for all kinds of reasons. And then, you know, in a, there is a, every coach kind of has their own rating um, if they have a history. And that's, that's, derived based on like their results compared to their programs they've been at how they've performed under other coaches so you kind of get a mm -hmm. plus minus there obviously Woodson there's no there's none of that so basically Indiana's the the coaching effect for their preseason rating is a little bit of a is a slight um, downward projection so one interesting thing to me and maybe you can shed some light on why this might be. So Indiana and Ken Palm is 31 last season. They finished, I think it was 50 in Ken Palm. So what is, is that just, is that mainly trace Jackson Davis coming back to school and some other key returnees or because like you said, you don't usually lose a coach for a good reason. Um, but it's interesting to me that Indiana's going from, you know, 50 last year to end Ken Palm. And, and I know a lot of his takes in to consideration his early rankings, at least, and I'm, I'm sure yours do too, a heavy emphasis on what happened last season, right? So for them to jump up to that amount, is that mainly powered by Trace coming back to school? Yeah. I'm not saying I don't know exactly what Ken Palm is doing, but I think, you know, it's basically you get a kind of a program rating based on recent performance, usually the last three years or so. Um, with more emphasis on the last year. Um, I know, I know Kempom also takes into consideration stuff like um, resources that the program has. Um, so like uh, just in general, if you think about Indiana with the resources it has and the kind of program it is, you'd expect them to be pretty good in general, right. And to kind of move up. Um, but they haven't been good for, for quite a while now. Um, so if you, you know, like maybe the last five years, they're probably what, like 40th or 50th on average in Ken Palm, something yeah. like that. Um, so it is a little bit, you know, I can see we'd be a little bit surprised that they'd get this bump up and to be 31st or third. And then it's the same in my system. I think they're 30th. Um, yeah. But, you know, it is Trace Jackson Davis in my system. I can say my system has some of those attributes, but it's at least on offense really built from the players up. So I mean, it makes projections for the players that are based on their historical performance. And then also things like their recruiting pedigree um, and builds that up into a projection for the offense 
And a guy like Trace Jackson Davis, he's a great player um, and a great player with a great recruiting pedigree coming back for his junior year. He's going to get a great projection in my system. Um, so that's kind of where it comes from. And then they've got other, they've got other um, solid players coming back around him too. So they ended up, you know, in, at the end of the day, they returned a solid nucleus of players um, and, and if Archie was coming back, they would be expected in with these same guys. I, th- I don't think it, I think you would expect this team to improve right over last year. Um, so that's basically it. It's still, it's the nucleus around um, what on paper, at least, and, and in reality too, I think is a, is a really great player in Trace Jackson Davis. One question that I've had people ask me, and and, and I, I've, I've told them I'll go straight to you and ask you this uh, and you should be, hopefully be able to explain when you're looking like I'm looking at your top 10 projected contributors for Indiana. And I know obviously this is all automated uh, to a degree because you've got what 350 teams that you're doing. But when like, for example, like a guy like Miller cop, you've got him projected to play 37% of minutes, 4.2 points per game. I would think Indiana fans see him playing a bigger role. How, how, how specifically do you kind of try to, put together um, those projections and, and figuring out who, which guy's going to play most and, and how much can that impact uh, these, these rankings? If say, you know, Tamar Bates or a Miller cop plays more, has a bigger role than, than kind of what you expect going in. So, yeah, it's really tough, obviously to the minutes projection is, especially if you're talking about guys outside, like the top, three um projected minutes guys it gets really um a little bit erratic um but basically every player has kind of their own projection right um for how many minutes they would get on kind of an average team and then you put them together on a team and then there's an algorithm that tries to sort out okay given these 10 guys who's going to get the minutes and basically the minutes are um you know, not everybody can play 80% of minutes, right? So you put them in order and then there's kind of a, a sorting mechanism. So basically it's saying Miller cop is like the seventh guy on this team based mm-hmm. on the, the, the projection that he has. And, and it, it's always difficult with transfers, you know, transferring is just another fly in the ointment kind of like, how's a guy going to fit in? Typically guys get used a little less when they transfer to a big 10 team. Obviously there's, a huge variety of outcomes in that, but that's just kind of the basic, the general rule. Um, so then he just kind of gets sorted in the seventh guy and then the minutes kind of reflect that. So if he was sorted in the sixth guy, he'd probably have the time I breaks um, Numbers, uh, projection. Right. Yeah. Um, so how much does it affect the projection? It can pro- um, affect it a lot depending on, you know, how, what the underlying projection for his usage and offensive rating is. In the case of Indiana, if you look at the, the list of projected contributors, basically from three through eight, they're very similar. So it really wouldn't affect their projection hardly at all. Like if I, and I can do this, and sometimes I do boost the guy's minutes if it's like clearly wrong or I just don't like it. Um, then it, it's, you know, the, it's just not fine tuned enough. It's not like my, my projection goes in and says, Oh, this is going to be a bad three point shooting team. Um, because these top six guys, none of them are three point shooters. Um, so they suffer for that. It's not that detailed. It's just basically all based on 
for at least the, for the offense, it's based on their offensive rating and usage, which is nearly identical for the two guys, you know, three guys ahead of them. Um, so uh, those concerns are, you know, like those are valid objections, but I'm more concerned about the ultimately about the team projection. So unless there's, unless I think it's really screwing up the team projection, I just leave it alone. Gotcha. That makes sense. One other thing, just kind of on projections, just because I'm curious about this. Um, when you're talking about a freshman, and this this kind of goes back to what you mentioned earlier with with Lander, where Dylan and I last season put him in our preseason top 25 Big Ten players list. He was 24th, and and he was not even one of the top 10 players on Indiana's team last season. And that with freshmen in general. I guess we don't have to worry about this as much in the Big Ten because the Big Ten's recruiting isn't on par with the ACC or the SEC or the Big 12 in terms of highly ranked kids. But a guy like Tamar Bates is, you know, a top 25 kid. And and Michigan this year maybe has some freshmen that are more highly ranked than what we're used to seeing coming into the Big Ten. But just in general, how how do you project? Are you looking at like their composite ranking on twenty four seven, or are you looking at their RS? Uh, what is it? RSCI ranking? I know that's like a composite that you can look at, but just in general, how how do you project freshmen coming in? Yeah, I basically use the with some tweaks the twenty four seven composite, um, and then the projections are just based on that rank, um, and then their height. Um, and then of course, how they fit in on a team. Um, so, you know, if Tamar Bates was on Texas Southern or something like that, he'd probably be the number one guy or something. Right. Um, but, um, and it's very highly weighted towards very top guys. So like top five, you know, the number one recruit is going to, and you know, this year, I think that's Chet Holmgren. It's going to, it gets basically an all American projection. Um, and, but then once you get down to someone like Tamar Bates, it's like, you know, sixth man on Indiana projection. <laughs> um, right. So, um, so it's very heavily weighted towards the top guys. And then it, I do, there is a, um, there is an adjustment made for the team's history of how freshmen perform and also the coach's history, um, actually either or, um, depending on the circumstances. So there are some programs that have a history, uh, especially for guys who aren't in that top category. So like basically less than, um, top one, non top 100 recruits. It's very much based on how non top 100 recruits have performed for that school or that coach in the past. So I want to get to the Big Ten at large here with, you know, about the last 10 minutes or so we have with you. But hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You've got three teams, I think, grouped pretty highly uh, at the top are close together. Well, actually, I guess four if you want to count Ohio State. Um, you got four, I think, in the top 11. But I think most people are picking Michigan and Purdue in the preseason. You've got Illinois ranked highest. How... I guess I'm asking you to kind of step out 
side of the formula here and just mm-hmm. from your you watch a lot of Big Ten basketball. How do you view those three, you know, Illinois, Michigan, and Purdue going into the season? Like if you had to pick those teams and put them in an order, would it would you agree with what your formula spits out or would you would you look at them a little bit different? I would probably downgrade Illinois um a little bit and have Michigan and Purdue as kind of the co-favorites. Um and you know that's the conventional wisdom. Um, I think the the knock on Illinois is that they lose lose an IO who was their best player um, and you know just a great player and kind of a integral player for them at the end of games and things like that. Um, so I think there's a tendency to say it's just it's just hard to swallow that they would be as good or better than they were last year, right? Um, so I I agree with the conventional wisdom on that. Um, the caveat being that, like, it, it, you know, as I do these projections and I think so much about them, to me, the difference between projecting someone fifth or 15th in the country, there's just no difference, right? Like, it's right. so far in the margin of error, within the margin of error that I just like, I don't worry about that kind of discrepancy. Obviously, it gets it gets noticeable when, when you get up into the top five, and that's fair. But, you know, for, for instance, if 35th versus 45th, you know, that's like, that's that can depend on how many minutes Miller cop gets, you know, right, so for it's sure. kind of um, silly to spend. I, you know, I don't spend that much time thinking about it. And, you know, I just know how wrong these projections are going to be <laughs> and, yeah. and how, you know, and it's the computers, my projections will be wrong. And then um, people's projections will be laughably wrong as well. You know, you're talking about like Lander last year, that's just kind of an example of how wrong the best thinking can be. Right. And uh, the people who yeah. think about this the most that know the most. Um, so, and I can say that where the Illinois projection comes from, um, it's kind of similar to, to trace that um, Coburn coming back for his junior year is just sort of something that my system maybe can't really handle, <laughs> you know, uh, the guy with his numbers, his size, his recruiting pedigree coming back for a junior year, is um not normal and so he gets a monster projection i think like i have sort of a pre-player of the year thing that's kind of for my eyes only but um he would be i think he's number one in that projection so it's it's just kind of like it's a little bit like uh there's a way that you can add zion williamson to teams and in the sort of roster cast thing that i have and, you know, you see pretty much any team would become number one team in the country if you add sophomore year projection for, for Zion in there. And it's a little bit of that. It's just a monster projection. Um, and, you know, it's not totally implausible that he will be the best player or at least the most um, productive player in college basketball next year if if Carvello, you know, blossoms a little bit more and is gets his game a little bit under control it's you know it's just, i think most big 10 teams think of that as kind of a scary combination right and it's and they've got they've got parts surrounding him shooters you know trent frazier coming back for another year um Monte williams those guys so it's a real you know everybody thinks they're a good team right it's a matter of whether right. they're top 10 or top 20 so the one of the teams that that I'm most interested in just getting your thoughts on and, and your formula and, and Ken Palm like them a lot. Uh, maybe it's, maybe I'm missing something here. Ohio state, they're eighth in Ken Palm, I think 11 in your formula, but they have so many questions at guard. They lose CJ Walker. They lose Dwayne Washington. Their point guard 
is Jamari Wheeler, who we've seen play point guard in the Big Ten before, and you know he's a great defensive player, but I, I've never been uh, a huge fan of what he do, brings offensively. Is that is that more of uh, a belief in kind of EJ Liddell and and what Chris Holtman's been able to do over the last three or four years there, or is there something else beyond those two factors that, that forces are the the causes, I guess uh, you uh, to like Ohio state. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head there. It's it's EJ Liddell, who is another guy who gets a pretty monster projection. And I think it's a fair, I mean, fair projection. I think most people are thinking he's a potential on the, you know, all American. Um, Right. And you know, it really, for me, looking at their roster, yes, they have a hole at point guard, but it's being filled by a, you know, a solid Big Ten player. And what do they need at point guard? Um, um, they don't need a star necessarily with the rest of their roster. And if I look down their roster, you know, one through nine, um, those are all guys who I know. <laughs> you know, I've seen the play. I know their. I know their players. Um, and then I think the tenth guy in my projection is a borderline five star recruit. Um, so they've just got a lot of players. There's just no other than, um, I think for an eye test, there's a glaring hole at, at guard, but to the computer, it's like, eh, you know, the teams can handle this. Um, and so that might be something where my system doesn't really assign any special value to a point guard, except that it requires teams to have one. Um, so sometimes you'll see teams that have like a, a bunch of six, six guys, and then some random six-two scrub being pushed into the top three of the minutes because, like, I think a team is going to coaches are going to play a short guy um, a lot of minutes. So that's the only exception to that. Um, and that, and if that happens, it can downgrade a team. But the projection for Jamari Wheeler is a low usage, reasonably efficient guy on a good team. Um, but then you've also then you know there is the expectation, at least on my system, on the defensive side, that the coach is going to maintain a solid defensive um identity you know and that the players who the system doesn't know much about it gives them a boost because they're on this team um and i will say that i've looking back on last year's projections there were there were similar um comments made about ohio state last year and i think it was basically the same projection for them last year and they lived up to it so you know that was one of those ones that got right last year along with michigan um so we'll see if it does that again after watching Wisconsin last year, not being able to figure out how to play Potter and Reavers together successfully for any, how do you look at Purdue? And it's obviously a different situation with Travion Williams and Zach Eady, who's just a a massive human being. um, That's uh, hard to account for just, you know, game plan uh, on a night. I think Purdue's got to figure out a way to keep him on the floor, but how how do you kind of see that working out with those two guys? Can they play together at all, or, or how how do you see that all shaken out? Well, that kind of question is why Matt Painter gets paid a couple million dollars more a year than I do. You know, yeah. Um, you know, he, he from what I've seen, he said he's going to play them together, um, and that's obviously what Guard tried to do with Potter and Reavers. I think that. It's a more intriguing combination than Potter and Reavers, obviously, especially in hindsight. Um, um, but he's got to do it because from everything we've heard about ED, he's just even gotten better. And I remember 
<laughs> he had kind of his breakout game against Wisconsin last year. And I remember, I think I tweeted this, that like they should just run the play where they throw it to Edie and he turns around and scores while getting fouled every time. <laughs> you know, that's what he yeah. did over and over again. And it's just like, it was like, uh, you know, playing against second graders kind of, it's like, you know, couldn't, couldn't get up to him, couldn't affect him at all. Um, so he just seems like a freakish, he's just a freakish specimen of a, of a player. Right. Um, He's reasonably so huge and pretty coordinated looking and he can move and run. Obviously not like he's not going to defend on the perimeter, but um, he gets up and down the court. All right. Um, so it's, I, that's one of the most intriguing things about this big 10 years is, is just him in general, how he develops and then how he, how he can uh, you know mesh with Williams. who's another guy who doesn't really spend any time outside the paint. Bart. Appreciate the time. I love uh, what My you pleasure. do with the with the website. Uh, your uh, your fun following on Twitter as well, and um, it's 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 good that basketball is going to be back here in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, and I say this as somebody uh, that follows uh, the Big Ten as closely as anybody. Hopefully, one of these years the Big Ten can win a national championship again in college basketball because it's been. 21 years now and the longer this goes on the more ammunition it gives to these other leagues to to call the big 10 basically a regular season fraud uh once once the tournament yeah, rolls around so it's uh <laughs> let's let's work towards that hopefully in the next couple of years and again you can follow his website uh, barttorvik.com uh, great resource uh, for college basketball thanks for the time bart my pleasure anytime We'll be back again later this week with another episode of Podcast on the Brink. We're going to have two episodes this week. But uh, until then, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.